Good morning, Christ Community Church. My name is Matt Holdsworth, and I'll be reading our scripture today from the book of Jude. Jude is a small one-chapter book right in front of Revelation, and our passage today is uh, verses 20 to 25. If you don't have a Bible and you'd still like to follow along, you can use a blue Bible and a chair in front of you, and it will be on page 1027. Again, it's the book of Jude, verses 20 to 25. Please stand for the reading of God's word. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Please be seated as we take a moment to reflect on God's word. Thanks, Paul. I promise that Paul is not trying to get rid of you, um, or maybe he is, I don't know. Um, l- let me catch you up with where we're starting today. It may be helpful if you've got your phone or if you've got a copy of God's Word, or you can see alongside your neighbor to follow along, but, but we're actually looking at the end of this one-chapter book, the, the book of Jude, so it might be helpful as, as we locate ourselves where we are in this letter. Jude is is the brother of James, he's the brother of Jesus, and he's writing to a community who are dealing with the teaching of of false doctrine. Another way to say that would be Jude is writing to a community where there are people teaching things that are contrary to the word of God. Now, it's not just about teaching, because here's what's happening. That teaching is actually leading into the lives of their people. There's practical application of false doctrine in the community in which Jude is writing this letter. And he takes that very seriously. Just as the the, the life-giving grace of God changes us, so incorrect teaching can call us to other things away from Jesus. It can call call us to think that we live a life that we must be self-sufficient, that we must earn grace. When, when there's not right teaching from the scriptures, it calls us away and into anxiety and fear and hopelessness because we ourselves can't do it on our own. And so what Jude does is very, very straightforward. He, he speaks against these people. He speaks against their doctrine and their actions. And then he finishes this letter with what it looks like to live among those who are being influenced. Those who were called up, how to love them and serve them, how to engage in a ministry of compassion. Jude showing us that, that fighting against poor thought, against false doctrine, sinful action, that as Christians, it's actually feasting. It's actually diving deeper into the grace that we have been given This is a life where our minds are constantly being renewed, that our faith is growing. 
And it's leading us to gospel actions on behalf of our brothers and our sisters. Jude has greeted the believers. He's welcomed them in. He's laid out the the truth of the judgment that comes to those who draw people away from the truth. The importance of that. And then he speaks to the realities of living in this type of world. Another way of saying it is people be crazy. Do you feel that? Do you feel the world that we're living in? Where your affections are constantly being drawn left or right? That you're being told you have to make a decision every week about where you will stand. And the whole time, Jesus is saying, come stand with me. Live differently. I think we need to hear this. Let me pray. and We'll jump right in. Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you died on a cross. Lord, that you give us your spirit and your truth. Lord, I pray that we may hear it more clearly today. This year we pray. Amen. Uh, when my girls were smaller, they watched a show called Doc McStuffins. Maybe you're familiar with that. Uh, Doc McStuffins is about a little girl who is a toy doctor, and the, the toys come alive. And here's what happens in every single episode. It's exactly the same. A toy gets sick. She fixes the toy, and in 11 and a half minutes later, everybody's happy. Same thing, over and over and over again. My kids couldn't get enough of it. When I was a kid, I used to watch reruns of this old Western show, perhaps some of you were around when it actually uh, happened, called The Rifleman, starring, ooh, yeah, (laughs) got some feedback on that one. Lucas McCain was a widower who moved to North Fork, New Mexico territory, and and he was a lieutenant in, in the armed forces at some point, but he moved there to get away from the loudness of war. And, and every time in the rifleman, some person in town or some person who came into town would, would come and, and cause trouble. And eventually, Lucas, even though he didn't want to, he would get involved and through patience and wisdom. He would make sure everything was good. He'd get the person out of town or he'd resolve the conflict. And everything was calm again in North Fork. New Mexico, it's the same thing, right? Over and over and over again. How about when we look at the narrative of Scripture? When we look at the narrative of Scripture, it's almost like watching one of these redundant TV shows, but but in the best possible way. Time and time again, we either see the failure of God's people or we see the advancement of the enemy on God's people, we see this in the Old Testament to the New Testament church. And time and time again, here's what we see. We see God's faithfulness in and through his people to glorify his name. Time and time again, we see the power of Jesus at work in advancing the kingdom of God. So what's this pattern? What's this refrain over and over again in the scriptures every single time It's compassion. It's God's covenant compassion. It's the relationship that he's entered into with us despite our sin. And he shows compassion on us. How do we as a church, how do we as a people enter into this compassion that God has given to us? How do we join into the rerun of, of the Bible, I think these last five verses in the book of Jude point us in that direction. 
the first question we need to ask ourselves is, what do we love? As we think about being people of compassion, having a ministry of compassion, we must ask the question, what do we love? Look in verses 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Now, there are a lot of different scholars and and pastors who see a lot of different things in these two verses. I think some of those things are are pretty important. Uh, The the first, Peter David, is an author and a a pastor and a professor. Uh, He sees the Trinity here. He sees Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I think he's right. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we love? We love this triune God. And while I am confident that I will not fully explain the Trinity to you today, the reality is that as we have relationship with one God in three persons, we are invited to know him more deeply, to see how he works and how he relates to us. Michael Reeves, who has a wonderful book on the Trinity, he says, that our affections grow when we begin to delight in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, more than we set our Trinitarian God up as a distant theological doctrine. You see, the Trinity is not just something that, that we see in the Scripture as a means to confuse us, but rather to welcome us more deeply, to know the person of Jesus, even if we can't fully understand it. I don't know how yeast works. Some of you do. But I know it makes delicious bread. I don't know how the Trinity fully works. But I know that my relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, is more beautiful because of how our scriptures describe him. That's the first set of three things that we see in these two verses. Our affections grow in knowing him. Secondly, we see the, this, this trifecta of faith, hope, and love. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, in the love of God. And then we see this waiting, or another way to say that is hoping, faith, hope, and love. The, the central imperative of these verses is to keep yourselves in that love. And I think there's one more set of three one more trio that that points us to what it looks like to keep ourselves in this love do you see it building praying and waiting building up in your most holy faith what do we love growing in the knowledge of god the father the doctrine of the apostles the holy scriptures we're not saying that we're going to grow outside of our need of the gospel We're not saying that grace is on us, but that as we pursue the scriptures, as we we come to this book that God has given us to know him more deeply, that we will better understand the grace that we have been given. I know for, for a church like this, this is Christianity 101. This church was founded on the preaching of God's word, week in and week out. But we need to be reminded of that especially as we think about a ministry of compassion to this world. 
This book is alive with the story of redemption. We will mine it the rest of our lives, and it will continue to teach us and deepen our faith, and it will continue to grow our affections for the Father. What's interesting about this is this is not just an individual thing. Jude is writing this communally, that we wouldn't just read and understand the word for ourselves, but that we would do it as a community. Those people that Jude speaks against were breaking down and were dividing the community, and we are being called to unite as a community. Not around worship style, not about around what we should wear to church, not how comfortable the seats are, pretty comfortable here. What are we called to unite around? The Word of God. Back early during coronavirus, my, my wife uh, got a group of ladies on, on our back porch together to six feet apart to study God's Word. You know what was happening on the back porch of, of our home in Boise, Idaho? God was at war. He was working through uh, these ladies delighting in his word as an offensive attack against the evil one you know what happens when one of our missionaries that work with young life sits down across from a uh, across a table from someone who doesn't understand the gospel and they pour into that person's life that's advancement there's a war going on there's an attack against the darkness of evil do you know what happens When an RUF leader or staff member leads a Bible study on campus at UNCW, there's an offensive attack against the darkness of evil because people are delighting in the Word of God. You know what's happening right now when the kids are upstairs learning about the beauty of Jesus? God's on the move. We delight, we feast in His Word We build up our most holy faith, and God uses that to grow his kingdom beautifully and wonderfully. And the result of that is that our affection for him grows. Isn't that great? That that, that our battle strategy is to, to grow our affections for the one who's given us all of his affection. We build up in our most holy faith. We pray in the Holy Spirit. You know, apart from Him, we can't even pray. I've had people in my life who've invested in me. Prayer is not talking at God. It's communication with Him. I had a youth pastor tell me that praying is the most that you can do. They were praying in the Holy Spirit. Again, one writer says, Praying in the Holy Spirit during this time was set apart from simply coming to God with words, but really coming in trust. This could have been some type of charismatic praying, this author writes. I think it's important as we we read about the early church, we need to understand that not everything that happened is a prescription for us. We don't order our church in the 21st century in every single way that they did in the early church, but... The thing here is that that there's a distinction between just coming to God with words, but coming in full trust of Him. We grow our affections. We build up our faith. We pray in the Holy Spirit. And then it talks about waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus, resting in the mercy of Jesus. Mercy for today and for tomorrow. 
when we feel as if we've arrived in our faith, you know what we do? We stop resting and we start building our own image up. We start building our own arrogance. But when we wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus, something bigger happens. We begin to love him more beautifully. How do we grow our affections? I have a friend and he's some sort of a mentor to me in Raleigh, North Carolina. And his name's Lindsay and and Lindsay married Kara. And during their marriage counseling, the pastor that was doing it, their premarital counseling, he he looked at Lindsay and he said, Lindsay, he said, love the things that Kara loves. And he looked at Kara and he said, Kara, love the things that Lindsay loves. There's a depth of relationship that happens when we delight in the things that others delight in. What is it like for us to delight in the gospel that Jesus has given to us? You know, I remember we got this family card game uh, back actually when we were living here between 15 and 19 uh, called Sleeping Queens. Anybody? Yeah, a couple. Hey, you know. My oldest daughter loved Sleeping Queen. It was her favorite card game ever. And, and there was a week where she just kept asking me to play, and it was one of those busy weeks. We had RUF stuff on Thursday. I had a wedding I was doing on Friday and Saturday, and I said, babe, I'll play with you on Sunday night. And I just kind of said it as this, like, okay, so now go do something else. And Saturday night, as my wife and I were driving back from the wedding, she said, you know, Lane has been talking all week about playing Sleeping Queens with you. My heart just turned because she was delighting in being with me. I'm an imperfect fella at best, but our God is a perfect God. And his heart delights as you seek him. What do we love? When we love him because he first loved us, we can't not grow in our ministry of compassion as we experience his compassion. All right. That's the longest question. Number two, how do we love? Verse 22 and 23, have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. We're going to work through this fast, so stick with me, okay? Showing mercy, we've been shown to those struggling, those wavering, or those doubting because of false teaching. There is a gospel patience that comes with those who are doubting. Some of you are doubting. And you need to know that our God is gracious and merciful. And you need to know that your brothers and sisters are being called to be gracious and merciful. And that you don't have to doubt on your own. But rather, you can extend your arms and have help floating in your doubt by people who have been called to be patient with you. Yes, I'm a Presbyterian. We've got this great document called the Westminster Confession of Faith. And no, I do not quote from it every time I preach. But I am quoting from it today. Here's what it says about our faith. And I don't just mean people's strong faith or or people who are just barely getting in. Here's what it says about saving faith. It says that saving faith is different in degrees. It's weak or strong may be often and in many ways assailed and weakened, but it gets the victory. I love that. 
Friends, doubt is a part of life. And we can accept that and we can run to the God who says, I know that you feel that. But I'm true and I'm good. Are we patient with those who doubt? Are we merciful to those who waver? How much more power we have when we show mercy to those who are doubting. Than when we force and push and try to control. God is at work. God is in control. He saved you and he is working in and through that person who's doubting. And he has called you to have a ministry of compassion. Now, that's not the only thing that's going on in these two verses. How do we love? We show mercy, but we also fight for people. Save others by snatching them out of the fire is what 23 says. We got to fight for those who are being consumed by false teaching. There are those who doubt. There are others who are more than just struggling. They are seemingly falling into this fire of not just doubt, but but of disbelief or misbelief. And I think this is hard for a lot of us because we hear words like, you need to confront them. And for some of you, you, you're like leaving right now. And for others of you, you're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Neither. But the third way of, of gospel coming alongside. I'm not talking about getting on Facebook today and finding someone that disagrees with you. You will find them. I'm talking about in community, coming alongside our brothers and our sisters who are believing things that are just not true. I'm not talking about gray areas. I'm not talking about the things that we can disagree on and still follow Jesus. But those things that are gospel matters, what does it look like? It will be heart-wrenching. It will be overwhelming. As we go to our brothers and our sisters who are struggling with the truth. But it means that that God is at work. The illustration of saving from fire is accurate here. When there's a house fire, it's chaos. Fire in, in that context is not safe. In many ways, it's unpredictable. The way that it builds pressure explosions of gas lines, other factors, it's chaos. And so we must take the step to save our brothers and our sisters from the deception of the evil one by speaking truth into their life. But because of the chaos, we must do it with precision and care by the power of the Holy Spirit and not by lording power over them. Every sinner, including you and me, we have a story We're people of both dignity and depravity. And so fighting is not something that we do sloppily, but it's something we do intentionally as we enter in relationally to our brothers and our sisters and we point them back to the truth of the gospel. We humbly and knowingly show mercy to those who are living deeply in sin apart from the saving work of Jesus. Like the testimony we heard last week, Many of us find ourselves there in our stories where we believe who Jesus is, but we want to go our own way. We want to sit on the throne, like it was said last week, but he is the one who fits on the throne. 
And so as we're called into the chaos, we need to remember that we can't enter into the chaos of the fire in our street clothes. Our compassion and our pursuit of God's mercy on behalf of others is not enough. It must be the work of the Spirit through us. This is the kicker. It must be His compassion, His mercy, His armor. We're not strong enough. We will be burned. Theologian Thomas Schreiner says, Believers are to be aware, lest their mercy is transposed into acceptance, and they themselves become defiled by the sin of those they are trying to help. We must guard ourselves and one another as we show compassionately those who are struggling. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens when we go deep into the gospel of Jesus. On behalf of our brothers and our sisters, Zechariah 3, 4, And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And he said to them, Behold, I have taken away, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. God works through the proclamation of his truth in relationship through the ministry of compassion to save people's souls. And he does it through you, loving and serving and doubling down on the good news of the gospel. That is how we love. Last question. Who loves us? He does. Now to him, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. You know what I love about this doxology? Is that if you're one of those people who think you have it all together, it's calling you to repentance and it's showing you a way to actually know the one that does. Maybe you're here sitting in your sin and your brokenness, the thing that separates you from knowing God fully. Hey, guess what? There's hope for you. To him who is able, come to Jesus, run to Jesus, follow Jesus, let your sins be washed away. Take these pure vestments on. Become a Christian today. He will work and grow you. And for those of us who every day, we know Christ, but we struggle to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. To him who presents you blameless. It's an invitation to rest deeply into the one that loves us. And out of that, we follow him into this world. That's a little bit crazy. And we are a little bit crazy to actually think that his compassion, that his love, that that his hope and his mercy, it actually does something. It grows his kingdom. So the, the message for all of us today as we think about this ministry of compassion is to come to Jesus and be changed. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, We thank you that this scripture calls us to humility and boldness. Lord, we thank you that this scripture calls us to love, but also to be loved by you. Father, we thank you that this scripture 
it shows us our need that you are the one that keeps us from stumbling lord that you are the one that gives mercy lord i pray that for those who are doubting lord that they would look around and they would see the mercy that you've given them in the body of christ lord for those of us uh, who want to help god i pray that you would give us tenderness and compassion and God, for all of us, Lord, we pray that your gospel would root so deeply. God, that we would be encouraged today by how you are on the move. Listen, hear me pray. Amen.